0: Our scripture lessons this morning for those who will worship with us later on this third Sunday after Pentecost. Come to us from the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 15 through 21, Psalm 16 verses 5 through 11, the New Testament epistle to the Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 and verses 13 through 25, And Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. So I must confess to you right right off the top this morning that there are certain features about our Gospel lesson today that just don't set well with us. there are certain details that make me at least extremely uncomfortable. I will tell you right up front this morning, these are hard and difficult words from Jesus this morning. These words may be unsuitable for certain viewers. Now would be the time if you feel like you need to get up and go, now would be the time to do it. If not, uh, strap in because we're in for some, some difficult words. The passage here in the gospel begins at verse 51, which is actually a key verse in the whole gospel because after spending enormous amounts of time and energy in this gospel where he is healing and he is teaching and he is preaching, we see here from Jesus that a great shift occurs. And Jesus, Luke says, now resolutely sets his face toward Jerusalem and the fate that awaits him there. Things are now starting to get really serious. Jesus now, Luke says, has his game face on, and it's all business. And maybe that's why I'm a bit uncomfortable. Here's Jesus giving 110%. Turning his whole heart and mind and life toward the goal. It is radical obedience to his Father. It is complete submission of his life and of his fate to the will of God. Have you ever met someone with a rock solid determination to reach a goal, to achieve something? Someone whose commitment was so deep that they poured all of their energy toward achieving that goal. Someone whose whose passion just gave them this laser-like focus that all of their waking hours it seemed were just consumed by trying to reach this goal. I have, and at times it's made me uncomfortable because It forces me to look at the depth of my own commitments and my own priorities in my life. It forces me to reflect on what really matters to me. How deeply I am committed to what I say really matters to me. Jesus, Jesus, Luke says, is going to Jerusalem. Not merely going there. He is aimed there like some sort of guided missile sent from heaven. There is no turning back. And Luke tells us here then that there are three different kinds of reactions to this action of Jesus. First, as Jesus makes his way toward Jerusalem, he decides that he's going to go through Samaria. Now, they could have gone around like most people do. It could have gone a different way, but no. Jesus is going through Samaria, the region where the Samaritans and the Jews really didn't like each other too much. As they do, as they approach this Samaritan village, they learn that Jesus is coming and they are inhospitable. They won't even allow him into the village. And so as serious as this sounds, James and John, the sons of thunder, their reaction is even worse. They want to call down fire from heaven and burn up their hated half breed enemies. They're calling, they're not just speaking out of thin air, they're calling to mind an episode back in 2 Kings in your Old Testament where there was a king who sent out men to take care of the prophet Elijah and do him in, and Elijah calls down fire from heaven and burns up 50 of these soldiers. So James and John have this memory, and there's a, like, Lord, please, can we just call down fire and burn them up? Let's just nuke them. Jesus says a big fat no to that. And there are other reactions that involve a man who asks for permission to return home so he can bury his father, and another asks permission to return and say goodbye to his family, similar to what Elisha asks Elijah in our Old Testament lesson today. Both of these requests seem quite innocent and quite legitimate, do they not? These folks will follow Jesus as soon as they've buried loved ones and made their appropriate farewells. You know, get your ducks in a row, clean up some loose ends, that kind of thing. Jesus' response here (laughs) makes it clear that this approach as rational and legitimate as it is, won't work now. He expects these folks to drop what they're doing now and follow him. He's going to Jerusalem. Why why does he do this? Why deny what appears to be the most normal, natural, reasonable response? he does it because of where he is going he's on his way to Jerusalem he's on a collision course with destiny he's changing the world he's overturning the powers of evil and anyone who cannot see this anyone who cannot allow their hopes and their dreams and their plans to be changed by his does not yet fully understand what he is all about. And now I know why this text starts to really get under my skin and makes me uncomfortable. Because it raises this very important question for me and for you. And here's the question. Does the grace and love of God made known to us in Jesus does that trump our plans and shape our lives? Or do we shape our faith to fit the lives we've already planned? One more time. Does the grace and love of God in Jesus trump our plans and shape our lives? Or do we shape our faith to fit the lives we're already living and planning. Let me put it another way. Do you seek to follow Jesus on your terms or on His? For example, most of us would agree that our families are very important. We value our family relationships above all others. We should. This is the way it should be. Our families are the top priority in our lives. Which is why Jesus' words here cut to the very bone. Jesus never said to choose him over the devil. He said to choose him over your family. Jesus claims priority over the best of human relationships, not the worst. Following him must be on his terms, not ours. And Jesus' words hit close to home in this text because he will not concede to me my desire to be in control. He demands that his mission come before all of my plans even those that are the most reasonable, and the most worthy, and the most natural. Why? Because he knows that we really are not in control of our own lives. We think we are. We think we are in control until a a tornado or a wildfire, a diagnosis of cancer, an unforeseen tragedy, or any one of a hundred other things that come along and dashes our hopes And brings us to ruin. So what does Jesus do? He goes to Jerusalem, Luke says. To yield himself up, to thrust himself completely into an out-of-control situation. And to hold on and to trust the Father until he comes out on the other side. Now I will readily admit to you this morning that there are plenty of preachers out there just like me inviting all of you to invest your time and your energy and your money to surrender your whole life to God's control. But in case you hadn't noticed, the world is still a terribly chaotic and unsettling place. And so what if our deepest calling as followers of Jesus, what if if our deepest calling is to give up the illusion of control and to throw ourselves into this turbulent life that God loves so much and to trust that God will join us somehow in this out of control adventure and that he will hold on to us through all of the ups and downs and that he will bring us in his good time to the other side. For some, I know this may not sound very much like a good promise, but for those who have spent several weeks without a home, or who endured months of chemotherapy with no result, or who have suffered from several years of addiction, or who have lost a job and are struggling to find another one, or a hundred other things we could list, at least this promise sounds real and trustworthy, that we can give up control, put ourselves in the care of Jesus, trust that he's going to bring us out on the other side. When I sometimes fail to allow Jesus' plans to trump my own, And when I sometimes fail to allow His plans to shape my life. I'm glad this morning that Jesus set His face to go to Jerusalem, not just with me, but for me. And I'm glad that He has joined His life with ours. That He has thrown Himself in with our chaotic and confused lot. And that He is holding on to us until He brings us out on the other side. The bread and the wine that await you this morning at the table, they are a promise to you. They are a promise to you that when things in your life seem to border on being completely out of control that Jesus is still holding on to you. He has a firm grip of love around you and nothing and no one and separate you and sever you from that love. So come today with faith. Bring the illusion that you are in control, bring that with you and leave it here at his table. And open your hands and your heart to the voice of the one who invites you on this journey with him to Jerusalem the one who comes to you with such great love that he will not allow even the best most wholesome most reasonable things in life to take his place of supreme authority in your life. Come with faith and lay aside that illusion of control And throw yourself in with him as he goes to Jerusalem. Strap yourselves in and hold on because it's quite a ride. And just remember this, that you're not doing the driving. In the name of the Father and of the Son